Yeah, because what are they going to do? Not throw the ball? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter, at Nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host, Mr. Neil Smith, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Both of us on the Fantasy Life app, at Important Nonsense, all one word. Neil, we have a ton of stuff going on this week. It is going to be a crazy packed podcast for us. But, I mean, the most important thing we have to discuss, of course, was the huge news that they finally announced where all the Hyperloops are going to be. This is just, we have yes. finally, we got this. So, so for those of you that you know may have missed the earlier episode or, or catching up on it now, so the Hyperloops, Elon Musk has his own Hyperloop. He got his basically approved in Baltimore, it's going to go Baltimore, D.C. area to New York. And then that that's going to be its own little separate thing, his own company. But Hyperloop 1 has all the – it had a global competition to try to find where it's going to put its Hyperloops. And it's going to experiment with all that. It's had its testing facility in Nevada that's run a whole bunch of stuff. Well, they became so popular, we're doing so well that Richard Branson of Virgin fame – Bought the company, and it is now Virgin Hyperloop 1, which, of course, is not a mouthful and just flows so beautifully. Look, that's just what he does. I mean, he just puts Virgin in front of it, and then he doesn't change it's it. His. That's yeah. why it's Virgin Airlines. It's very simple. Yeah. It's just it, – it's it's Virgin and then what the thing is. Right. That's just how he Hyperloop does 1 had a whole global contest to try to find out its 10 initial locations where they were going to start building. We mentioned a few weeks back that both – uh, the Denver area where Neil lives and the Dallas area where I live were both finalists, and they both won. They both are getting their yes. own group of Hyperloop yeah. sections. So uh, in the in about three years' time, I'm going to be able to get from here to Houston in like 25 minutes. So that that'll be pretty interesting. I'm pretty jacked for that. And then uh, it's going to change how people do stuff. It's going to yeah, be crazy because that's move that freight is, around. What is that and, now? Like is that like a three-hour drive, roughly? To Houston, traffic. it's like six. Six? Okay, yeah, yeah, there you go. So Yeah, you could do that. This is your daily commute, half hour each way. Yeah, it's nothing. It's, so you're going to be able to fly around pretty quickly here through uh, through the Hyperloops. So me and Neil have been, you know, getting blueprints together, mapping out all the banks we're going to knock off and then fly from one place to the next through the Hyperloop. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we, we have all of our, uh, our crime spree, uh, our, our Hyperloop-based crime spree, just ready to rock and roll. When, uh, whenever that's uh, up and running. So look out, world. Here we come. Yep. Good thing we put this on a recording. So Interpol has all sorts of Interpol, the FBI. They got a light. <laughs> Building a file already. See, there's your biggest mistake right there, Neil, is you're assuming people are listening to this. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center. Back to wing. Back to center. Center holds it. Holds it. Holds it. No, not that football. Oh, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Extra, extra, read all about it. And stats. <laughs> you need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Da-da-da-da-da. Hey! Da-da-da-da. So as I said ton of stuff going on this week the biggest news i mean look martavis bryant this whole drama and soap opera scenario has just gotten completely out of control first it's perfect for us i know yeah it's perfect for us it's right in our lane of of just important nonsense it it really just it's right what we're here so well but no last week there was all the rumors he was demanding a trade he wanted out he wasn't happy with his role and then they said, no, 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 he never wanted a trade. That, that's crazy. The media just made that up. That was never a thing. That's poppycock. Oh, who, how dare you? I'll sue you for slander, and sir. And then Sunday morning, they came out with the report that he was going to be way more involved in the offense on Sunday. And then, of course, he wasn't. He went back to social media, complained even more, made some more statements that basically made it sound like if they just give me what I want and let me go, then uh, I'll be happy and I'll show them what they're missing and they said they have basically benched him a game for uh, for violating their social media policy as a team, the same team that had 
Antonio Brown record a locker room speech on Facebook Live last year. So it's just, yeah, it's the whole drama with him today being sent down to the scout team, basically told he's going to be a, a, a healthy scratch this week. It's just, he's so useless at this point. You can't, you cannot roster him at this point. He's just, no, you, you can't. Not for fantasy. No. Now, in real football, we were talking about that they should trade him to the Bears. The Bears should absolutely offer like a seventh route. No, but especially the Bears. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. He'd fit right in. He'd be, <laughs> cause he'd be the only guy, so they got to throw it to him, so he'd be happy. I mean, but look. <laughs> He's exactly the kind of basket case we need. Sure, you could send him to Jacksonville. Jacksonville needs a wide receiver yeah. desperately, other yeah, than sure. former Bolitnikoff player Marquise Lee. Yeah, Buffalo needs somebody out there. Um, the Ravens, because they're all hurt. Everybody on the Ravens is hurt. The right, whole team yeah. Is hurt, but they're all their wide receivers are especially hurt. Sure. Uh, you wouldn't really trade him in the division, though, especially to one of your biggest rivals. Maybe if they offered you enough. <laughs> no, you wouldn't no. do it. Even. They'd have to really give you that. would be ridiculous. That's Even for us, it's a ridiculous scenario. Right. You would never uh, trade him to the Patriots because they're constantly battling with you. Or the Chiefs, same thing. I'm trying to think. Probably you'd want to send him to the NFC somewhere where he couldn't impact you greatly. I don't know. Carolina? Yeah, sure, maybe. I'd say the Saints, but they, they just love toys. They already have enough. They don't need more <laughs> yeah, toys. Yeah, they got too much to play with down there. Maybe someone alongside Julio in Atlanta? That would be interesting. If Mohamed Sanu was more hurt, I think that probably has some level of merit. Well, I mean, you could put him in the slot. Not. Yeah, you could do that. Julio and Sanu on the outside with Martavis running down the field with his hand up in the slot. Matt Ryan. Yeah, basically just all against what he wants to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, sure. There's plenty of options. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, you Look, know, yeah. I don't know that they would do it. And it's also, too, you're also talking about, even as insane as it is, you'd be talking about giving up a conditional pick for a guy who got suspended all last year for being an idiot, who is now back to being an idiot. So, right. There's a little bit of that going on, too. Yeah, and it's also the fact that, you know, they've kind of nurtured him through all of this, they've held on to him for all these years through all the suspensions, stood by him, and now here we are six games into the year and you're not happy with how much they're involving you in the offense and you're completely ungrateful for what they've done to you. So Yeah, you could be Josh Gordon yeah, right now. They're just going to be the level of just petty point that, out. that uh, they're just yeah. going to let him rot on the bench and not even care. Who was the guy for Jacksonville for a million years, too, that, uh, that eventually got... Justin Blackman. Yeah, Justin Blackman. Yeah, you could be Justin Blackman. You could do that. Yeah, so he's been in the league forever, and he had, like, one good season. Yep. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, the Bears acquired Dontrell Inman today for a conditional seventh-round pick in next year's <laughs> draft, mainly because they have no one else on that uh, that wide receiving core. And uh, I don't know if it really matters, simply because they clearly don't like throwing the football, and it's it's been working for them. So. Yeah. It's just he's better than uh, than Kendall Wright. Sure. So, yeah. There, there you go. And for whatever that's got. worth, people. Yeah. yeah. He. Uh, yeah. Give it. Give it a while. He's gonna have to figure out the offense. But you know how hard could that possibly be when they throw four passes a game? Meanwhile, Jason Peters tore his ACL. Unfortunately, he's had a great career in the NFL. Huge part of that Eagles not only offensive line, obviously, but their team. I mean, the the run game was non-existent before, and now it's just completely gone. So, for that's the end of that. For me, it makes uh, Legarrette Blunt basically useless because he already was pretty much useless. Maybe I mean, a yeah, flex, exactly. depending on scenario. And now, if he's with that line being as bad as it is, I can't see them pounding the ball. So. Mm-hmm. Blunt is pretty much useless. I still don't mind Smallwood simply because he's the pass catcher and he's going to be running and be the check down. And then Wentz is running for his life as is and likes to be mobile anyway. So it doesn't really affect him or the passing game as much. But yeah, for me, more than anything, that just kills any value you might have thought LeGarrette Blunt had anymore. Yeah, and if you still thought that he had value at this point, I mean, I'd like to try and sell you a timeshare, possibly. Uh, it's, it's just... <laughs> Yeah. If anything, for me, it actually almost upticks the uh, the pass catchers and Wentz because it's just, okay, so you take the uh, the extra 15 rushes out of the game. Right. 
<laughs> so this is something, so that could hurt you because you know now you're not balanced at, at, at all anymore to the extent that you even were. But again, I don't know that it really matters. But yeah, that's just a. It was more just a bummer in the game too because I don't know if you saw it, but he pretty much got like a standing ovation. Yeah. As as he was being carted off, so it Crowd was a real was like, his name. All the players yeah, from the bench it, came off, and a lot of the Redskins came over and showed some respect. Yeah, a lot of the Redskins so. came over. Yeah, it was it was like a real... A, no one was happy about that at all. Meanwhile, Dwight Franey signed with the Seahawks. He just will not go yes. away. The Yarmir Yager of the NFL just keeps floating Blades around. 100. and uh, love it. Yeah, st- just sticking it out forever. So That's that spin move. Yeah. You, you can't... Oh, it's so devastating. So after all last year with Atlanta now comes back, signs with the Seahawks to be part of that Legion of Boom out there. So it's, I mean, it's certainly not a downgrade. It's one more mouth to feed out there. It's one more, you know, player to rotate into that giant defensive cluster they have going on with that team. But it certainly helps them. It'll help them spell some guys and get after the quarterback some more. Yeah, they were struggling with that a little bit in spots because they have picked up some injuries as well. So this was not super shocking, but it is actually a, I mean, for what they're paying him, which is virtually nothing, it's uh, it's a pretty good deal for both sides, especially because I think Dwight's, I think the reason for this is because he really wants to just win one more ring. Yeah. <laughs> and be done. Meanwhile, uh, Carson Palmer, pretty much done for the year. They said he's going to be out eight weeks, and that would put it at about week 15. I guess you could hold out hope that maybe he would come back, but I don't see why you would force him back at that point. So I would say pretty much he's done. For me, it kind of hurts the entire pass game there. The uh, the Adrian Peterson hype was clearly overblown, as we kind of warned that that might, that that might have been. But, yeah, it's now they're on the bye this week. They've got time to at least get Drew Stanton worked back in because he's I mean, he's had experience with this. It, Palmer always finds his way to uh, to the bench for medical reasons, one way or another. But now, yep. yeah, it's the it's the Drew Stanton show for uh, for the foreseeable future. So downgrade your uh, your wide receivers and tight ends and running backs in uh, Arizona. Pretty much everything. Just downgrade it all. Quarterback play. It's all going to get down. If you thought they were bad before, I mean, we've seen what it looks like when Drew Stanton's running the show out there. Yeah. So. I mean, pretty much everybody takes a downgrade across the board. And yeah, basically. Yeah, you man, you really missed your opportunity to pick up a quarterback last last draft, huh? Because now we're doing this again, huh, Arizona? Yeah, basically. So, they, uh, they said, "Hey, Drew, you know Carson Palmer's looked pretty, pretty bad this year," and uh, yeah, Drew Stanton just said, "What? Hold my beer." Meanwhile. All right, hashtag bi-week issues. As usual, we'll give you streaming options for this week if you have bi-week issues, and a lot of people do. We have six teams on the bye this week. This is the big one. So a ton of people out. you got a ton of spots to fill. And as a result, waiver wire's pretty much barren, as you would expect this late in the year. So you kind of had to look forward to this. But if you didn't, if you're desperate, people that are still available that you should be picking up and concentrating on, you're going to notice a running theme here, so just bear with me. At quarterback, it's Andy Dalton going up against the Colts. Look, the the downside of Dalton, as I put in the waiver column this week, is the fact that maybe they run the ball effectively with Joe Mixon. And the Indy run defense has been terrible this year. It's been the biggest weakness they have on defense. So if the run game gets going early and they go up big and there's no reason to pass, that could hurt them. And then if Jacoby Brissett turns the ball over a couple times and they get some defensive scores, that could also hurt Dalton passing. But I don't see that happening, to be honest with you. So I You might think, get one of those things, but yeah. I don't know if you're going to get them all. Right. Like, so the, I think Dalton's thing. still going to be chucking the ball around, especially to A.J. Green. you got to get him fed. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a decent day for Dalton out there against Indy. I mean, yeah. And then if Dalton is already owned in your league, your other option could be, and I feel dirty saying this, but it's week eight and six teams on a bye. Uh, it's actually Josh McCown against Atlanta mm-hmm. because for whatever it's worth, McCown has got that team moving a little bit better. They've looked better the last few weeks. And Atlanta's defense, as we witnessed last week and pretty much even paying attention, we've witnessed all season, yeah. is atrocious. Yeah. Atlanta's defense is atrocious. And that game uh, is in New York. 
So we'll get into that later when we actually break the game down. But yeah, as you'll we'll get into later, McCown against the Falcons is definitely nothing to sneeze at this week. Running back, it's Wendell Smallwood against the Niners. As we just said, look, running the ball, not their biggest forte right now, but Smallwood is pretty much the guy that is going to get the ball, and it's the Niners. You just look at how they were demolished by so Zeke bad. last week. I mean, I get so that it's Zeke, but the Niners cannot stop the run. It's not just Zeke. It's anybody. It's anyone. It's, it's anybody they play just runs the ball down their throat in the first 10 seconds of the game, and that's usually the end of it. And again, Smallwood is the only RB1, the the number one running back on his team that isn't currently owned out there. So please go pick up Wendell Smallwood. If he's not available, though, I will take either DeAndre Washington or uh, Jalen Richard for Oakland. Look, the matchup isn't spectacular, but they are both going to get their uh, their typical work share here. I mean, Rashard's going to stay in his same role as the pass catcher, the guy who sees a majority of the work until you get into the goal line. But then when you get into red zone territories, you're looking for a, a heavy hitter and short yardage. That's going to be Washington with Marshawn Lynch suspended this week. So really with either one of those guys, I mean, there's your best, there's your best new options for streaming for the week for sure. But because less small woods still available for you for some reason. Right. But, uh, I don't know. Do you have a preference in this matchup for either one over the other? Um, I'd probably want Richard just because he's the big play guy. PPR, he catches the ball a lot more, and uh, yeah, he could break a big one and run it for uh, for a big score. Whereas Washington, it's more of a pound, ground and pound, and he's either going to give you like an eight or he's going to give you like a twenty because he scored right, two he scores. goal line touchdowns. In this one, I agree with you. I want Richard because they are playing Buffalo, and Correct. Buffalo as we'll get into in a moment here. Wide receivers, I've got Benny Fowler versus Kansas City on Monday night, simply because Emmanuel Sanders will not play again. So Fowler becomes an option when they're going to be chucking the ball a lot, you would assume. And then Kenny, Kenny Galladay gets Prepare Pittsburgh. to be disappointed. It is, uh, it's, it, again, it's a, it, it's a dumpster fire out there on the way. I know, but I'm just so saying. Kenny Galladay against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is the number one rated secondary in the league right now. So... Not an ideal matchup by any stretch of the imagination, but Galladay is a guy where it only takes one. And he, with Golden Tate out, he's the number two receiver on that team. He finally has a clear p- path to playing time. So, uh, yeah, if if I'm looking for a home run hitter and I'm desperate for a wide out, give me Kenny Galladay. Yeah, because what are they going to do, not throw the ball? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's one other one for the road, which is, He's right at like the 50% cap, so you may not be able to find him, but you should still look because he's still there in like 48% of leagues. Uh, Ted Ginn is playing Chicago this week after putting up two pretty nice games back to back. Seems like they are trying to get him the ball a little bit more consistently. So, and again, it's Chicago, and again, it, what are the Saints going to do? Not throw it? <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Michael the, Thomas also on the injury report, as we'll get into uh, for that game breakdown as well. Now, yeah, my so, fear with him just... is the same as I said with Dalton, is that they might get up big early and then stop throwing the ball. Sure. And just get a heavy Mark Ingram day or, uh, you know, Chicago's secondary has actually been the strength of, uh, of their team. They've, they've had uh, trouble containing the run. It's been uh, the pass game that they've they've held I, up. So I totally understand all that. It's just again, it's a wasteland out there. Yeah, no. Yep, you're you're, thing, lo- you're so. looking for darts. That's a good dart because yep. if he, it only takes it yeah, really it's, still. It's, it's the Kenny Galladay thing. One. It only takes, it takes one. one. So yeah. And then at tight end, Tyler Croft against Indy for the second straight week. I had to do work. I'm really getting annoyed with this. Kyle Rudolph is the one up against Cleveland, so I had to look for somebody else. Tyler Croft is a guy you should own anyway. Look, if you're going to hype up Eifert all season long and tell me what a great top 10 starting tight end one Tyler Eifert is, and then when he's on the IR and Croft is just sitting out there getting the same target share, same production, basically, you were getting from Eifert, I don't understand how people aren't aren't loving it right now. So that just doesn't make any sense to me. So go get Tyler Croft if you're desperate at tight end. There is literally no one else, by the way. Just so you're aware of how bad tight end is. <laughs> That's it. 
And then down the same path, streaming defense, Bengals versus Indy. I told you there was a theme. And it's this week, it's Bengals against the Colts because it is a wasteland. We got six teams on the bye. There is not a lot out there, and there are a lot of Bengals unowned for obvious reasons. So, yes, you can stream your Bengals this week against the Colts and feel pretty decent about it. Absolutely. And then if they're not available, because they might not be, uh, the Dolphins will be out there, I can assure you. And uh, roll the Dolphins if the uh, if the Bengals aren't available to you. Yeah, they, and remember, they they're the Thursday night game, so you have to. They are the, so you have, yeah, you have to make that. that move. You have to make that move, but they're gonna play that completely beleaguered and injured and just bad Baltimore offense right now. So that that might be worth a shot. Get more out of your fantasy season with PFF's exclusive player grades and performance data. PFF grades every player from every game on every team. Dive deep into your fandom and follow your team on Pro Football Focus for exclusive team stats and NFL team rankings. Listeners to our podcast can get $10 off a PFF Edge or Elite subscription by simply going to importantnonsense.com PFF. Once again, that's importantnonsense.com PFF to save $10 on your subscription today. All right, picks can pick them. So standings this week. We've got Matt in fifth place at 50. We've got Brian and Kevin now tied in third with 54. And guess who's on top? These two guys right here. All because we're right. the only ones that have successfully filled out every week this season. That's right. And we will take it any way we can get it. So I'm in second now with 59. You're on top with 65. So getting right into the games, Thursday night football, as we were just talking about, Miami going to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Thursday nights have been really weird this year, and this one is no exception. Extremely hard to peg. They've either been blowouts or super low, boring, score, you know, low-scoring games. It's yeah, ugh, up and down. Can't decide what it wants to be. So, uh, yeah, th- this one was made even harder by the fact that now it's Matt Moore at quarterback because of the Jay Cutler injury. So I have so little faith in the Ravens' offense that despite that fact that it's Matt Moore I'm still going to go with the Dolphins winning what is a low-scoring, high-defense game. And for me, it's just the Ravens are just so beat up at this point, it makes it nearly impossible to trust them. I don't even know who's playing. They can't even tell you who's playing. It's like, is Jeremy Macklin going to play? I don't know. We don't know. He's been limited for the last two weeks, and we haven't played him. So is he going to play Thursday? I don't know, man. He's limited. <laughs> it's literally out there. That's their, that's their coaching staff right now. It's just, I don't know. Whoever shows up to the stadium is who's going to play. That's <laughs> that's what I can tell you. So they're missing key players in almost every position on offense, and the defense is just what's keeping them alive. It's so good. that it's. However, Matt Moore, as much as people want to scoff at Matt Moore, has actually proven that in spot starts, he can be competent. He's not just going to crater that offense into the ground. Now, it's unfortunate that he's not going to get all the prep time that I would have liked him to have here, but I am still going to roll with the Dolphins on the road on Thursday night. All right, Sunday morning. You want to ground them? Then ground their I'm still sticking with Crown as our London drop. I think that makes the most sense. It's the best we've got right now. It's either that or we get that like the royal the royal theme. You know what I mean? The, uh, yeah, but then the we got to risk the, the whole copyright. So I mean, <sighs> I mean, yeah, I don't know if they they own, they own everything. I guess so they probably yeah, own pretty, that too. Yeah, pretty much. So we got the Vikings going up against the Browns. Normally, I'd chalk this one up as an easy offensive explosion for the Vikes. However, the Browns gave the Titans the scare of their lives last week, and the London factor obviously cannot be ignored. Just ask the Ravens. So in another low-scoring, boring game that no one's going to want to watch early Sunday morning, ah, give me the Vikings. What are you talking about? I'm looking forward to waking up super early to watch the Browns figure out how to lose this game. <laughs> how are they going to do it? Are they going to blow a lead? Are they just going to look terrible? New I don't know. Ways gonna, every week. Yeah. They're going to find a new and cre- snatching failure from <laughs> From Hang the on. jaws that, of victory. Yeah, yeah. That is snatchy, snatchy defeat from the jaws of victory. That's it. Yeah. That's what the Cleveland Browns do. And I actually do think this game has the potential to not be that close as long as Case Keenum is playing. But that's a really weird sentence. And, <laughs> Just and to put give that me the Vikings. Yeah. Give me the Vikings in London and hit the horn. 
Sunday, 1 Eastern, Atlanta going to the Jets. So the Jets average 20 points a game at home and 19.3 on the road. So it's not a real big deal, home or away for them offensively. But, Neil, here is your stat of the week. In their four road games this season, and mind you, in those road games, they have played Buffalo, Oakland, Cleveland, Miami. Not the greatest offenses in the world. They're giving up an average of 27.8 points a game. In the Meadowlands against, again, Miami, but then Jacksonville and New England, 16.7 points a game. They love to play at home, and the Falcons are having all kinds of issues putting up points right now. They cannot stop anybody on defense. I can't believe we are at this point, but give me the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets in the upset of the week. So I'm going to need you to go ahead and get the uh, get it together drop going. Get your together. Get it again. Get your together. One more. Get your together. Well, they're all for you, Matt Ryan. They're all for you, bud. So, yeah, give me the Jets at home. And if you would have told me that at the beginning of the year, my head would have exploded. The Falcons are being given four and a half in this one as the actual line. So, yeah, give me the Jets as what is the upset special of the week, apparently. That's what it is. Speaking of New York, go to Western New York, and you've got Oakland to take on Buffalo, another one that I really cannot wrap my head around. And apparently I'm not alone in that because the public currently has this as a 50-50 split, which I cannot remember ever seeing before. I'm sure it has happened, but it is rare because this is just bananas. But the Raiders were strong last Thursday. They've had an extended time to prep for this trip. But I'm just going to go back to the old cliche of teams from the West coming East for a 1 o'clock game because I don't know how else to judge this game. Uh, it's the body clock from the West, whatever, cannot you know, get right. Teams coming from the West tend to just look off during those 1 o'clock games. I think the Bills' strong defense makes a statement here. After they reached your prediction of the 2017 season last week by getting their fourth victory. I am going to say they reach my prediction of fifth win (laughs) this week, and I'm taking the Bills at home. No one knows what to do with this. Vegas doesn't even know what to do with this one. They gave the Bills negative three. That's that's what that is the equivalent of a It's literally home field advantage. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's home field advantage. It's but it's funny because you and I both go back to the same well, which is West Coast team travels east for a big loss. Right. And that's what I've got happening here. So the Bills, it's not – I want to give the Bills credit because they've also, you know, put up some stiff competition against some good teams. And my example of, you know, West Coast team going east to play them was they did it to Denver before Denver's O-line went ping. Right. And and that game actually was kind of a statement game for the Bills. It was kind of like, now you have to pay attention to me. So I'm going to take the Bills at home, but it's going to be a very close game. Chicago going to the Superdome to take on New Orleans in a battle of Mike Dicka's former teams. If I told you last week that the Bears would have 175 yards of total offense and that Mitch Trubisky would be 4 for 7 passing in the game, first of all, you wouldn't be shocked. But second, you'd certainly say that the Bears won that game 17-3, to right? I mean, obviously, that pans out. <laughs> so, yeah, just stop it with the Bears. Stop it. It's the Saints. No, it's the, it's the Saints all day. But I'm going to use this time, though, to give you my favorite stat from Twitter. <laughs> so only three QBs in the last 30 years have won games completing four fewer passers. And that's Wanky, Tebow, with a staggering two, <laughs> now Trubisky. John Fox was the head coach all three times. That is impressive work. That is some impressive coaching right there. That is that is just the greatest stat. I, I don't even thank you, thank you, Twitter and internet. I didn't create that, but that is that is one of the best things I've read in a long, long time. Michael Thomas was removed for the Saints with a knee injury this week from practice. You own Michael Thomas, you should probably be aware of that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just uh, have just keep an eye on it. Have a contingency an plan just in case. Indy going to Cincinnati, a game we have alluded to. Given all the streamer picks from earlier, you should already pretty much know where I'm going with this one. So give me the Bengals at home. Yeah, no. Bengals at home, as we were talking about before, this is probably a good day to roll Joe Mixon in daily. If you're playing daily this week, yeah, might be worth it. 
Chargers going to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. Well, Neil, we knew we'd get here eventually. Here we are. Uh, it took us till the eighth week of the season. But we finally got to this point, and uh, for the first time all year, I'm not going to take the Chargers. There it Coward. is. There it is. Coward. Look, I mean, Rivers should have a huge day, and uh, Gordon could obviously absolutely bounce back and have another you know, Melvin Gordon-esque monster game. But the, the Pats offense at home against the Chargers D is just, it's too scary to ignore. So Pats and Foxborough. Yeah, I mean, as much improvement as the Chargers have made over the last, you know, a few recent weeks, it shouldn't be enough here. So real high-scoring game in the works, though. Start everybody. Start your Chargers. Start your Patriots. Uh, and if, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you own Tom Brady, uh, maybe pray that Melvin Ingram doesn't just, you know, <laughs> introduce himself at some <laughs> yeah, point in that uh-huh. game because that'll be bad. Uh, but, yeah, assuming that doesn't happen, give me the pads at home. San Francisco going to Philadelphia. Well, so much for that lovely stat we put out there last week about the Niners being so close in all of their games. That that worked out pretty yeah. well for them. But, yeah, here's your bludgeoning of the week, Neil. And in classic Philly bookie fashion, the Eagles just take a steel pipe to the kneecaps of the Niners. And, uh, oh, speaking of which, speaking of, you know, injured kneecaps, add Matt Breida, because for the love of God, <laughs> that train wreck that he is behind – he's going to be the running back out there, all right? It's sooner rather than later. It's not far off. So just own Matt Breida. Do yourself a favor. I can't wait for the day we start taking live Uh, questions and people start asking you about Carlos Hyde. People that I pay in the audience. (laughs) This game is going to go to garbage time quickly. Stop! He's already dead. And... It's Eagles at home. Carolina going to Tampa Bay. This was the hardest game for me to call of the week. Look, I mean, everyone knows how high I was on Tampa Bay in the preseason and still am. I went back and forth several times on this one. The strong Carolina D against the potentially high-powered Bucks offense. I still think the Bucks can turn their season around. I still am not giving up on the idea that they could make the playoffs somehow. But I just couldn't bring myself to pick them in this game. Despite... The horrible performance that Carolina went out and gave against the Bears last week. They, they just have a solid offense, and the Bucks' defense has been so bad. And until they can show me that they've fixed the issues they've had, I just can't feel comfortable picking them. It's a division game, so it's going to be a close game. But give me the Panthers on the road. No, yeah, this that's that's exactly what it is. It's an interesting division game. So these always get weird. There's always something that will swing it. But what sways it for me is it really is how bad that Tampa Bay D is. Yeah. I mean, they can't stop anything at all. It's They couldn't even contain the completely destroyed Buffalo offense with no Charles Clay and like none of their receivers, that it, that's to the extent that they even have any, were playing, and Buffalo still found a way to win that game on Stephen Hauschka field goals. That's how bad. That's how bad that was. So give me the Panthers, but I don't feel good about it. And this is going to be a really close game that's actually probably going to be really competitive throughout. And it's just the Panthers' lack of any kind of a traditional run game makes me nervous is the problem because they just haven't found a way to – they can run it in various other ways, but I mean like just trying to line up and run the ball, they can't do that. They can run it with Cam Newton and they can run it with Christian McCaffrey on those plays that they do, but that's not really just running the football. So I'm, I'm that all that gives me pause. But yeah, Carolina on the road in what could be, I mean that has that might be the best game of the week potentially has the potential. Because of the London game and buys, we only have two late afternoon contests this week. So Scott Hansen going to be filling a lot of dead air in the afternoon <laughs> on Sunday. It's uh, it's both Maybe the we Texas get it's both the Texas teams. First, it's Houston going to Seattle. Look, my heart wants to choose the Texans here, but the Seahawks' defense is still legit. Their offense has been up and down, but the Texans still haven't had a real test since they lost Watt and Merciless for the year. They lost them at the start of that KC game, so I don't really count that against them because they couldn't game plan for that. You can't predict they're going to go out in the first drive of that game. 
And then the week after that, they had the Browns, which you can't take anything from the Browns. And no. then they, uh, they came off the bye. So it'll, I'm super interested to see what they, uh, they come up with here coming out of the bye. The return of Dwayne Brown also means more time for Deshaun Watson to pass and better run lanes for the backs, which has to be even scarier for the rest of the NFL considering the points they've put up here. But at the end of the day, I've got the Seahawks winning a close game at home. I thought we were for sure going to split this one. I was, I, I already had it. I was already set to call you a homer. Yeah. Yeah. I was already, I was already locked and loaded. Hey, I wanted uh, to do so, it. All right. I, yeah, no, I'm, 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 this is the most surprising one so of anything so far. But yeah, no, Seattle seems to be kind of finding their form. And this is typical with Seattle, frankly. They, how many years have they done this? They look like garbage at the start of the year and their O line can't do anything. And then they just kind of, cobble it together hit their bye and then they start looking like seattle again so that's what i think is ultimately going to happen here uh seattle's d i think is going to end up winning the turnover battle in this game and that's how they'll ultimately win the game so uh that's just the way i see that kind of narrating out but yeah seattle at home but man that 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 should be a lot more fun to watch in this next game Dallas going to Washington. The public has it all wrong. As part of the typical A, one week overreaction that happens, and B, how about them Cowboys attitude? So Washington has a strong run D as evidence of what happened last week and the last few weeks. They should be able to contain Zeke more, obviously, than the Niners were. And the secondary has weaknesses for sure, but Brashad Breeland and Josh Norman, if he plays, Either one of them is a matchup nightmare for Dez. So you're relying basically on old Stumpy over the middle of the field, and I don't like that if that's your only option. (laughs) So it comes down to the Redskins' O figuring things out against the Cowboys' D. And uh, as we know, the Cowboys' D is the medicine that heals all. So give me the skins at home. Well, it does look like Norman is going to play. All reports are saying that he's returning to practice this week with the intention of it looks like he's going to be out there. So you would have to think he wants to go play against his his best buddy. Sure, so, yeah, you gotta got to fulfill the uh, the promises of those <laughs> Samsung commercials. So Right, got to give the money back if you don't play against them, right? So <laughs> Washington, though, also has a really strong pass rush, which is what I think could also come into play here. If they are able to get pressure on Dak and they can disrupt the run like you were speaking to earlier and make Dak win the game. Ooh, yeah. If that's the way that this game goes, which is how I think it could very well end up going, then, yeah, I'll take the R's at home. But I will say I do lack confidence in this. Yeah. Sunday night, Pittsburgh going to Detroit. It could be a great game. Could be a lopsided game. Could be a freaking disaster. I honestly have no clue which one of those three ways it's going to go. It's, I know it's going to go one of those ways. I just have no clue which one it will be. The Steelers are bad on the road, but they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. The Lions are typically great at home and are coming off the bye. But right before the bye, they got smoked in that disgustingly terrible game against the Saints. So not only that, the Steelers have the number one pass defense in the league, as I mentioned before. And the Lions won't have Golden Tate and have no running game to speak of because they never have any run game to speak of. So, Steelers on the road, I guess? Yeah, right? <laughs> That's the <laughs> level of confidence right yep. there. No, and yeah, and here, I, I second that because I'm going with, look, the Steelers do seem to be kind of figuring themselves out, and they're kind of back to having fun, except for Martavis Bryant. <laughs> and, uh, um, the thing is, though, I am going to go with, the yeah, Lions that's are the at home. fun picking on Martavis Bryant. Yeah, there you go. But the uh, the Lions are at home. They've had extra time to prep for this one. I know there's no Golden Tate, but I have a feeling. Again, what are they going to do? Not throw the ball? I mean, that's what they're going right. to do. It's number one pass defense aside. So it's just I'm going back to the well with the Steelers on the road and the Lions coming off a bye. And I will cite my rule of if you were actually gambling, like at Vegas or at the bookie, never bet on the Lions. But for picks can pick them this week, <laughs> I am going to go ahead and take the Lions. 
Oh, we finally split have that. a split. We'll split oh. that one down. Like the first time in two weeks one. we have yeah. a split. First split in two weeks. Yep. What's what happens when there's buys? It gets it, yeah, it gets it convoluted. Screws everything up. Yeah, it gets it gets interesting. All right, Monday Night Football, Denver going to Kansas City. Of the four offense defense units that'll be playing in this game, the Broncos D is clearly the best of the bunch. They're the strongest unit by far. Unfortunately. Their offense is probably by far the worst of the bunch. It's a division game, and I wanted more than anything to pick the Broncos to win this game just to screw with the Chiefs even further. Oh, yeah. Their defense will certainly keep this one close, and it'll keep them in it. And I would not be stunned at all if they were to come out on top and win this game. But barring a catastrophic turnover... By Alex Smith or Kareem Hunt at the end of the game, the Chiefs in Arrowhead. The Broncos offense is so bad that this <laughs> week that they're saying publicly, well, we're going to shake things up. We're going to shake things up, guys. You know, it hasn't been working. Does that mean okay. Brock Osweiler? <laughs> no, apparently. But that's what people are taking it to mean, is that they're You're saying, oh, Simeon. Sammy's on a short leash. However, the people that are really paying attention have realized that what could not happen has started to happen, which is their O-line is starting to take a pounding. And that's your issue, soup to nuts. You don't get shut out because you have bad quarterback play completely. You know what I mean? You get shut out because you got a terrible O-line. You can't run the ball, and you have to throw the ball 40 times a game. And you're just going to get murdered because they're not good enough to do that. I can only think of actually a handful of teams and quarterbacks that are good enough to do that. The Packers with Aaron Rodgers, the Saints with Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Like, it's not a long list, is my point. Yeah. Andrew yeah. Luck with the Colts over time. Uh, not this year, obviously, but in the past. There's not a lot of examples. There's only so many guys that you can take the run game out of it, and they can just go out there, and they're so good at running the game that they can just take you apart. The, Col- the Broncos can't do that. So if they can't get their O-line right and establish any kind of a running game, they're going to continue to get killed. And any game where Simeon or Brock or, God help you, Paxton Lynch, has to throw 40 times is not a game you're going to win. And unfortunately, I think there's a very real chance that could happen here. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking KC at home. As much as I would love to take Denver as well, and look, it's not going to blow me away if they win the game because it's a division game and weirder things have happened. It's also possible that what they mean by shake things up is we're going to just give Jamal Charles the football like a thousand <laughs> times. Because I've, I've thought of that, that. That's definitely something that could happen, is that he's he's coming home, and he's going to want to win this game against the team that literally, in his words, fired him. Yeah. So he, he wants the damn ball <laughs> this week. Yeah. And I think they might say, you know what? Our offense is Jamal Charles this week. We don't care. No, he's going to run the ball. He, we're going to throw it to him. He's gonna, we're going to line him up as a receiver like they used to do back in the day because we got nothing else. And and it's possible that KC spends too much time trying to just take Demarius Thomas out of the game and doesn't adjust quick enough. But, I, yeah, KC at home. And yeah, you what, heard it here first, folks. Neil says pick up and start Jamal Charles this week. Yeah, that's not what I – sure. <laughs> Signed – yeah. Yeah, that's, that's – uh, you do that. Buyer beware on that. Caveat emptor on that one. Yes. Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be everybody this week after they make that roster move. Uh, so that's it for the game previews. We're going to move over now to a lot, a lot of Golden League news. So be sure to stick with us heading over to the Golden League update. And now for something completely different. It's time for the Golden League update. Crazy week in the standings puts everyone except Matt at the very worst within one game of a playoff spot. Everybody's hopes alive if you're not Matt. And speaking of Matt, my God. I mean, hashtag pray for Matt. It's just, it was, ugh. That was far and away the worst fantasy football loss I have ever seen in my entire life. And just... For those of you that aren't in the league, don't know what I'm talking about, or maybe weren't paying attention, just to reset the table for you, 
So Matt had LeGarrette Blunt and the Philly kicker on Monday night. Jake David, Elliott. Jake Elliott. David had Jordan Reed. That was, and Matt had a lead coming into the game. He was leading the whole way. Led all night yep. long. And then for no reason, on the last <laughs> Redskins drive, Reed gets three catches, including a touchdown. So David slingshots ahead of him by three points. So now the Eagles move down the field, of course, with not LeGarrette Blunt, because why would you? They get into field goal range. And in our scoring format, a 40-yard field goal is worth four points. So here comes Elliott, the sure-footed rookie. He has literally made his last 12 straight field goals. And all he has to do is poke it through. That's it. Strong kick. It's on the line. On its way. And at the last second, you can see the flags start to move a little. The wind catches it, and it goes right into the right upright and bounces down into the end zone. No good. Oh, I mean, I was not rooting one way or the other. I had no dog in that race. It wasn't my team. I wasn't the one trying to win that game, and I still felt like I was going to vomit. It was... Oh. Yeah, it was... To be leading all night and have it ripped away, then the hope comes back, it reemerges, and then it's just ripped away again. Just the up and down last two minutes of that game for him. It was the most brutal thing I've ever seen happen to anybody. Oh, like I said, when I was we were, I was watching it, and I was like, I feel that in my bones. And again, it's not it's not my team, you know, he's a friend, but. Oh. I, I saw I was, I was watching that and I was like that that did not just happen that's not real life that, that was awful. they called a timeout right they they called a timeout they're gonna do it again uh, no oh no that was that was yeah I've I've never seen anything quite like that that was that was brutal uh, but on to Cincinnati here we go we gotta move on gotta pick yourself up. Neil, we closed out last show by you saying there was draft pick chatter. Wouldn't it be surprised if some deals happened? Well, I mean, it it's hit the fan here. It is all over. It is everywhere. It's just they have come raining in so far since our last episode. So you were able to grab Kamara before the uh, the deadline to get him in last week. So you know, kudos to you, adding Alvin Kamara to your roster. Thank you. Played for you this last week. That was Paid our first off. draft pick deal of the season. And now this week, we've already had three deals happen here, all in the matter of uh, the last 24 hours, really. So Mr. Flynn got a deal done to acquire Amari Cooper after his week from uh, from Flynn Jr. Then I was able to get Kyle Rudolph to try to solve my tight end issues. And the biggest one of them all was Kevin trading his second and fifth round picks to Matt to bolster his two weakest positions with Mike Evans and Jimmy Graham. It solidifies those two spots for him. It's what he needed to fill out. And I'm not sure how I still feel about him having to play Stafford now the rest of the way as his QB. But, I mean, outside of that, he, he is a legitimate title contender at this point. Oh, no doubt. He was saying he needed to decide if he was a buyer or a seller. So, I, you know, he decided he was going to go He's going to go take right. a look at it. Because why wouldn't you this year? I mean, that's that's why there's so many of these getting done. And that's, we'll see if it dries up now. As certain, because now we have to start eliminating more teams <laughs> to, con- right. to continue having more people that they'll be willing to sell. So yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier off air was just the fact that you know right now, as I already mentioned, we have eleven teams still alive, eleven teams still in the playoff hunt, and three of them are three and four. So this week they could potentially lose and fall out of it because of the you know top heavy league. You kind of need to win out if you're those teams. But, you know, barring that, I mean, it's just, who is it going to be? Because the teams that are currently 4-3 and three or, you know, David, who's 5-2, and two, they're not going to lose enough games by the time we reach the, you know, Week 10 trade deadline to fall out of it enough to be sellers. So, because we don't have a Steve Flynn situation from last year where you have a winning team selling pieces... It's uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a, a small market to to buy from, and Kevin basically took the best two options 
off of the one guy's team who's selling right now. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, because Matt's going to be out of tradable pieces soon. Quick. If he's not already. And, well, no, because I believe he still has Jameis Winston. Right. For whatever so, that's worth. Probably not a whole lot, but I mean, yeah. technically. Mm-hmm. So, Something, yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking at it now. Yeah, there is not, uh, he's going to keep Adam Thielen, I know that. So if you want to try and get Thielen from him, you're going to have to bring your wallet. So you're probably not going to want to do that. Yeah, that's really it. That is it. He's got, <clears throat> he's got Jameis and, you know, somebody may be interested in Jameis if they need a quarterback. There's a couple teams that I could think of that might need that. So looking at the power rankings after this last week, once again, the top three stay the same. Flynn Jr. on top at number one, Paul at number two, David at three. Uh, all, you know, despite the top two losing their games and David getting back on the winning ways, Brian, because of his high point total victory, moves up a spot to number four. He takes over where I was. I drop a spot despite my win uh, to number five. Neil, you move up a spot to six. Flynn Sr., down a spot to seven. You guys flip-flopped. Sandman up one to eight. Tony up one with his victory to nine. Kevin drops two spots to ten. And then Lisa and Matt round out the 12 teams. So playoff odds this week. Again, we have 78 for Junior, 81 for Paul, 96 now for David because of his 5-2 and two record, clearing a full game on most of the other teams in the playoff race. Brian up to 80%. I'm at 65. You're at 52. Flynn Sr. at 70. Uh, Sandman at 9. Tony at 8, basically. Kevin at 47. Lisa at 10. And Matt has been eliminated from playoff contention. Our game of the week this week, number 12, Matt, versus number 7, Flynn Sr., it is Matt's one chance to be in our game of the week, and it's a highlight this week because he is trying to avoid the wrong side of history. He's looking for his first win. If he cannot get it, he will tie Eric from last season for the worst start in league history at 0-8. So now, as we said, he gave up Jimmy Graham. He gave up Mike Evans, the best two players on his roster. He's coming in with a, a depleted team to begin with. He's got Jameis against Carolina, LeGarrette Blunt against San Francisco. Again, you like the matchup, but you don't like that it's LeGarrette Blunt. Dion Lewis against the Chargers, Garcon against Philly. Jermaine Curse going up against Atlanta at home, which is an interesting one. Ben Watson against Miami. Uh, Adam Thielen against Cleveland in the London game. The Vikes D against Cleveland as well, so you also like that. And then Jake Elliott against San Francisco. On the other side of it, Mr. Flynn with Andy Dalton currently. We don't know if he's going to swap in Roethlisberger, who he picked up in that deal, but I would assume Andy Dalton against Indy we will see. He seems to hate playing Andy Dalton, so we'll we'll find out this week for sure. Le'Veon Bell against Detroit. Doug Martin against Carolina. More than likely, this will be the spot he plays Amari Cooper against yeah. uh, Buffalo. And then he's got Benny Fowler against KC, Jack Doyle against Cincinnati, Wendell Smallwood against San Francisco, the Steelers D against Detroit on the road, which is kind of scary, and then Graham Gano as his kicker. The updated game line, by the way, Neil, is Mr. Flynn by 4.3 points when you factor in Amari Cooper as the wide receiver one there. So it's close. A five-point spread, even when you add in Amari Cooper and uh, potentially Roethlisberger. So, look, Matt's been pretty much in it every week, and it's a game he really should have won last week. And as I said to you, it's he has been in so many nail-biting close games that have come down to one or two plays at the end that it just feels like for no reason whatsoever... One of these weeks, he's just going to win by 50. Just, right. Just because, yeah. He's just going to score 150 points. It's yeah, just exactly. whatever's left on his team will just all suddenly just click and go off the same week. And he'll just put up 150 <laughs> points, 
And yeah. somebody's going to be looking at that like, how? What happened? <laughs> yeah. So it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. I mean, it's the... He's got some good matchups. It's just I don't like the players in some of those matchups. Yeah. Like LeGarrette Blunt against San Francisco is, in theory, super tantalizing. Maybe right. this is the week LeGarrette Blunt just falls into the end zone three times from the one-yard line. I think it's more likely Jermaine Curse catches three touchdowns, but... He's got Mr. Flynn this week, and then... Brian next week, Paul the week after, and finishes with Tony. This is his best week to avoid 0-10. And then maybe he's got a shot against Tony, depending on what's left of Tony's roster. And that just could be the tickle fight of the century in week 11 if both of them have completely sold everything off. Right, so it's just the two bench teams playing against each other. And uh, and that's trying desperately to avoid going 0-11 at the last possible second. Uh-huh. Trying to avoid being the worst team by record ever in league history because we've never yeah. had a team not we've never had a team fail to win at least one game. Correct. Yeah, like everybody said, wins. Eric last year started 0 and 8. He won his game in week nine and then lost his last two. So he finished one and ten. That is the worst record in league history. We've had other teams finish two and nine, but never before have we had anybody go 0 and 11. So. It's gonna be rough for him. He, he, I'm uh, at this point. It's just, it's just sad, and especially after that last week, I'm really pulling for him because this is just, yeah, that was brutal. That should never happen to anybody. That was just awful. No, that was a bad, that was a bad beat right there because you got to watch it on Monday night in prime time, literally unfold in front of you. Like your last thing, and you're like, oh, I got this in the bag, and then it's like, oh my god, I can't believe it. And then how did that happen? Like, oh wait, here we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna win this game anyway. Ugh, that was so brutal. I guess I'll go to bed now. <laughs> uh, Break my computer. Yeah. No, so that's it. It'll it'll be an interesting one. We'll see how many more deals happen here for, throughout the rest of this week. As you mentioned, the market's starting to dry up a little bit. I think we'll we'll see if any more deals can get done before this weekend's game, and then depending on what happens this weekend. We should probably have some more trade news and stuff to talk about coming into next week's show. Uh, oh yeah, we'll have we'll have trades. We'll have trades every every week. I just don't know how many more we're gonna have this week. Right. Maybe one, and maybe one or two, something like yeah. that. I would think for the rest of this week, and then for next week, it'll be probably looking more like this, where it's like three or four, and some of yep. them are kind of bigger. And then every week up until the deadline, yep. and then it depends on what it looks like at the deadline. Oh my God! Could you imagine if everybody's like four and four, basically? Yeah. Or five. You know, everybody's kind of right, still clustered together, right at the deadline. Oh, mm-hmm. that might get interesting. Where everybody's trying to buy and sell the last possible second. Yeah. Right now we have David at five and two, and then there's seven teams at four and three, and three teams at three and four. Two of the three and four teams, which would be Sandman and Lisa, play each other. So one of them will be three and five. One will be four and four. And then you have Tony taking on number one David. So, right, Tony could be four and four, and David would fall into the cluster at five and three, or David could cement his top spot there and knock Tony down to three and five. Other than that, we have this game with Mr. Flynn, as I already said, four and three against the 0 and 7. And then the other six, four and three teams all play each other. So we're going to have at least three teams at five and three, and at least four teams at four and four coming out of this week. So it's we're still all going to be clustered together there. It's just who's the one on top and who's on bottom at this point. Yeah, we'll just have to see <laughs> basically who's going to get tiebreakers at this point. Because there's going to be mm-hmm. it, this could come if everything stays clustered and everybody ends up at you know tied at you know, six and five or thereabouts. And you're, you, this year, maybe one of the rare years where six wins leaves one team sitting on the outside looking in who won six games. Right. And if you're trying to evaluate your own team and your own, if you want to buy or sell too, remember it's points forced. That's the stat you want to look at. In a multi-team tie, the teams are ranked top to bottom based on points forced. So that's how it, the, yeah, the number of points you've scored you're ranked one, two, three, and those are the seeds you get top to bottom. It does not just solve, like the natural system in ESPN is, 
oh, well, it's a three-way tie, so who's got the best points forced? That guy's got the top seed. All right, now the next two, who had the head-to-head win? We don't do that. It's all points scored. So you want to make sure that if you're in this cluster, you want to be near the top of points scored if you're going to go out and be a buyer. Yep, unless you think, you're, unless you think your schedule is soft enough that you could just win, run the table. Yeah, and, and like get I get yourself to seven wins. Like you said, we've never had a team in league history go six and five and miss the playoffs, and this could be that one season. So yeah, the one outlier year where somebody got six wins and didn't get to go. <sighs> but we're gonna have a lot to talk about next week. It is gonna be a jam-packed show, I'm sure, with a lot more news to talk about. We will keep you up to date on all the latest news in the Golden League and the NFL. Someone trade for Martavis Bryant. Help him out. <laughs> Get him out of there. Yeah. Come on. Hey, you know, Buffalo needs receivers is all I'm there saying. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, until next week, everybody, just keep up the nonsense. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Lee Rosebeer, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.